the doctor records in his journal that this man has worry and anxiety and anguish all through his body and it causes him to sweat blood. The actual term is called hemotidrosis and it's a very rare but very real condition that causes people to sweat blood. Basically, the sweat glands are surrounded by tiny blood vessels and can constrict and then dilate to the point of rupture, causing blood to flow out into the sweat glands. The cause and condition of this issue is anguish, extreme anguish or anxiety. The term anguish or the definition of anguish is, listen, severe mental or physical pain, severe mental or physical suffering. This man who's bleeding or sweating blood is overwhelmed. The doctor that writes this, his name's Luke. He's a physician and he records a story about Jesus that's sweating blood. And it comes in Luke 22, the physician writes, 2244, he says, and being in anguish, communicating to Jesus as a doctor, he says, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. The night before Jesus was head off to his execution, Christ was, the night Christ was crucified, he was in the garden, he was one with nature, and he was praying to the point of anguish because he knew what was coming. He said at one point in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, I'm glad that you're tuning in online and I'm asking you, don't just click off right now because here's what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about worry and anxiety, anguish and fear. So tune in, give another 20 minutes of your life or 25 minutes and I promise you, God will speak through this medium. Today, Jesus understands our anxiety, our fear. He understands our worries, and he understands our anguish. And I hope that whatever you're at, wherever you're in right now, whatever state of mind, whatever mental health state you are, that you will watch this for a few minutes and see what Jesus talks about as he communicates about worry and anxiety. We're going through this sermon series called Questions of Jesus. Now, if you're on right line right now, I'd love for you to put an emoji, a praying hands or a high five or a smiling face, just letting know our host that you're online. And we want to communicate with you specifically on this online video service. This is important to us. That's why we continue to communicate with you. So let us know that you're there and uh, let's really work together as a community, even though we're online. Now, as we are going through these questions of Jesus, as the Bible becomes part of your relationship with Christ, and let me reiterate that, the Bible needs to become part of your relationship with Christ. Apart from it, you're really not going to be whole or complete. Now, Jesus, as we read the Bible, this is why it's so critical for it to be part of our life. As you're reading the Bible, questions come up. And today, we're going to see in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to go, where questions come up as we're reading it. And as you're, as you're reading it, you need to look at these questions like Jesus himself is currently asking you that question because the Bible is the spirit of God and the truth of God. And he's truly speaking to you through this medium. And I really believe that's what he wants to do today. 
Now, today we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of my favorite places to preach out of. I love going there. A couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, a message out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes to the Sermon on the Mount, and he brings three questions. And I just want to put them out there in the open so that you can answer these as we go through this sermon today. Here's the first question. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Hopefully, we'll answer that in a few moments. How about this? And why worry about your clothing? As we are reading, Jesus is going to challenge you. Why worry about what you're wearing? And really, this is a material thing, not just a clothing thing. And then finally, Dr. Luke, as he's going through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about this same exact place in the Sermon on the Mount, he asks this question in Luke 12, verse 26. He says, if even the smallest things are beyond your control, why are you anxious about the rest? And I love that question, and I can't wait to dig into that in just a few moments. So today we're going to open up the Bible. The Word of God is a big part of, of, of our relationship with Christ, and it's the actual truth of God, and we are to use the Word so that we can know what's right from wrong. We can know what's good from bad. And God can communicate directly through his Holy Spirit as we read this. It's one of the major tools that we have in this world to communicate with God and understand who he is. And today we're going to read from Jesus's red letters. My Bible has the red letters. And in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read from the red letters. 625 uh, to 34 is our text today. So let's dig in and see what God has for us. Here's how it starts. And that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Jesus is communicating a, 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 a message in Matthew tw uh, 6. And now he's coming to the end and he says, why I tell you not to worry about other everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. And here's another question. He says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? That, that kind of is a tough question. Isn't your life more than just food and clothing or material things and what you're doing to your body? Isn't life more than that? That's a great question. Something that you should be able to answer today, if not in the future. He says this, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for the heaven for your heavenly father father feeds them. And here comes another question. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Do you realize the value that you have in Christ? I think Kim hit that pretty hard last week. Do you value? Do you understand the value? doesn't mean that God doesn't love the birds and the animals and the puppies and the kitties, but he realizes humans, his creation, are far more valuable. And it comes to our first question. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Now, what I want to do is I just want to pray. Now, as you are online, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can meet you right where you're at, wherever you're at. If you're in your room, you're in your office, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday or Thursday, wherever you're at, I'm praying that the power of the Spirit will go to you right now. And we're going to pray, and I'm really asking you to pray because we are in a crisis, a mental health crisis. We're, worry and anxiety have taken over our society, mainly because of the pandemic, and then some of the social unrest, some of the political chaos, and just where we're at as a society. Things are upside down, and today you need to realize Jesus communicates about worry and anxiety. So let's pray. Father, we love you, and we pray right now that we talk to you. And that we turn whatever struggle, whatever worry, whatever anxiety we have, and we give it to you, Lord. 
and we trust that you will do a great work in this and I pray right now that the spirit of healing will go through this mechanism and go to wherever people are watching on their phone, their computer, on their smart TV. I pray God that you do a work right now in the power of Jesus and it brings people to their knees to celebrate and worship who you are. Lord, use this day, use these words to help us understand Christ and our life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, this is our online campus, and we're reading from some texts that maybe you've heard quite a bit over the course of your life in Christ. But today, I hope that you see that as we look at the lens of anxiety and worry, that God wants to minister to all of us. It's really worked on me, and I'm praying that it will meet you right where you're at. The question is, why do we worry? Why do we worry? And the word worry and anxiety are used kind of synonymously here, but we're going to break it apart in just a moment. But let's answer that first question. Can it add a single moment in your life? I've got this chart up here, and I want you to look at all the impacts of what worry or anxiety does in your life. If you look at the chart, you see it affects the head, it affects the skin, the heart, the stomach, the intestines, the pancreas, the reproductive systems, joints and muscles, the immune system. It brings brings extreme fatigue, the, the, the text says. It brings high blood pressure, headaches, higher heart rate, upset stomach, panic attacks. The hospital is filled with people that are having panic attacks. We have this sense of doom and gloom. So to answer the question, can worry or anxiety add anything to your life? With all these ailments, you're seeing that it can't add anything. It's only taking away from your life. High blood pressure and heart issues are taking seven to ten years off everyone's life who has that. I have it and I know I've been talking to my doctor. So the answer is no, it can't add. It actually subtracts. Now let's dig in and do a little bit of Christian counseling, if you will. What's the difference between worry and anxiety? They're kind of in the same genre, but they have different uh, impacts. So here's the five differences between worry and anxiety. Number one, worry tends to reside in our minds. Anxiety affects both mind and body. So one just kind of is in our head bouncing around and keeping us up at night. The other one has an impact on our mind and body and ultimately our soul. Number two, worry is specific. When you're up at night and you're worrying about a job or a conversation or a child or a parent, you're worrying about a specific issue. But anxiety is more generalized. Generalized anxiety is a real thing and it's a big part of our pandemic problem. Number three, worry is grounded in reality. Generally, when we worry, it's something that's about uh, in our life that's real. But anxiety is marked by catastrophic thinking. The pandemic and the political season brought catastrophic thinking. And because of that, the mental health crisis is going to be in a full effect for the years and years to come because what we did over this pandemic season. Number four, worry is temporary, but anxiety is longstanding. And so our job is to keep stuff in the worry pile and not let it get into that longstanding anxiety pile. And here's the last one. Worry is, doesn't impair function. So you can be a functional worry wart, but anxiety 
does impair function. It doesn't allow you to move beyond where you need to go. You see people at work or at school or at church or, you know, in life that are stuck because of anxiety. They can't even leave houses and homes and, and go to places because of their anxiety. It has a huge, uh, a huge issue with hindering people from going where they're supposed to go. So let me say this. This is kind of what we used to say in the 80s. Worry is the gateway to anxiety. Like, you know, they used to say marijuana is the gateway drug to all other drugs. Worry and being a worry ward is the gateway to chronic anxiety and really being debilitated. So the question that we see here that Jesus is communicating in the text, he's saying, so why worry about everyday life? That's what we see in, in, in the first sentence. Why are we worrying about everyday life? The apostle Paul knows what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about it. He says, be anxious for nothing, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, but pray about everything. Our job is to not be in anxiety and anxious and ang anguish, but we are to be free of that so that we can be in prayer and really giving that to God. So we're not to worry about this life, about the food and drink. But I don't know if you're like me, man, I go to Coffee Bean and Starbucks all the time and thinking about what am I going to drink? I've already had four cups of coffee. I should move the tea. We think about this and what are we going to have for dinner? Last night we had Chinese food. Tonight we're going to have to have taco salads or something. We're constantly evolved in things that don't really mean as much as they, that, we, that, that we think they do. He says, don't worry about clothes. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about material things. Matthew chapter 6 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is a rich piece of text, meaning it has a lot of stuff to teach us something. So if you have a moment this week, read all of Matthew 6 and let me give you kind of a foreshadow or a, a, a barrier or an idea of what it looks like. The first four verses talk about giving. One of the things that we need to understand through Jesus is how to give and what to give. The second thing is in verses 5 to 15, we see the Lord's Prayer, and it's talking about praying. And then the, the one that no Christian likes to do, he talks about fasting. And in the last portion, he's talking about material wealth or material things. And that's the text we're into. And he's really getting to the point of how to teach us about worship. Jesus wants people to worship him. And when we are in a worship state, we're not in a worried state. What are we worshiping? And in verse 24 of Matthew 6 says, no one can serve two masters. And this is really the crux of the whole message. This is where Jesus is trying to bring all of our attention onto him and not these secondary issues that we have in our life. He says, no one can serve two masters. He says, for we will hate one and we will love the other. And what happens is we end up minimizing God and loving all these other things. And that creates worry in our life. When we are in this covet relationship, that's what we worship. Whatever we covet, we worship. If you're in a relationship right now and you're kind of just enthralled with this man or woman or this, you know, teenager, you're really coveting that and you're worshiping that. Covetness cheapens the things that we get, and it actually cheapens us in our relationships where, when we are in an unhealthy, covetous relationship. We then, when we feel cheap 
or when we feel less than, guess what happens? We worry and we fear and we become anxious and, and, and full of anxiety. This is unnatural. This is unspiritual. This isn't faithful. This is living in a fearful life. And that's why most of us know someone that's going through uh, a, a, an anxious state in their life. The pandemic has shown us how bad our mental health is as a whole. The United States, I promise you, for the f next five to 10 years, will be sending tons of people to counseling and groups because of the anxiety that the pandemic has brought to our kids and to the adults and to our seniors. Jesus tries to help us understand material wealth and life through nature. And he wants to point out how nature works with God versus how humans work with God. He says, birds don't fret. They don't worry because they have God and they live in God's economy. We don't live like that. Humans can't duplicate how birds and how the animals that scurry around live. We don't duplicate that. And so because of that, we don't have that same type of relationship. Nature depends solely on God and God alone. And God never fails nature. The birds, Jesus says, they never fret. They're not worrying, but we do. When we don't rely on God, we fret, we're in worry, and we're anxious. And that's why the pandemic has been so horrific to all of us, because we have been worrying and anxious about what's going to happen in our society, in our state, our country, and beyond. And then he answers this question, aren't you more valuable than birds? It doesn't mean that God doesn't love birds or as Jesus is communicating, he says, hey, we made the birds and the bees and we made the foxes and the sheep. We made all of those, but he cares about humans more than he cares about the animals. And then the question is, won't he certainly care for you? You are valuable. And God cares for you. And not just care like in a way that he wants you to be good and happy. He cares for you in a way that he loves you and wants the best for you. You are valuable. And you have a, a, a authority and you have a place and a position in the kingdom of God. Verse 28, here comes another question. And why worry about your clothing? And here he's saying, why worry about material things? This is really trying to break free about material things because we all clothe ourselves because we're embarrassed if we don't have clothes. At least some of us in this world are embarrassed about not having clothes. There's some that aren't. But listen, why worry about material things? And then he kind of brings in this concept of nature. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And don't they, they don't make, they don't work or make their clothings yet. In all of Solomon's glory, he was not dressed as beautiful as they are. He kind of points to this man that had more wealth and more knowledge than anybody and was wonderfully dressed and had the riches of the world. And he says, there wasn't a day that the lilies and the birds and nature wasn't more beautiful than how Solomon looked. And it says, and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the wildfire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Aren't you more valuable? Listen, this should be underlined. He will certainly care for you. If you're watching online, give me an amen, a prayer icon, a high five. This is what we're talking about. He cares for you. And then it comes to this place of why do you have such little faith. Now, as a pastor, my job is to do what we call soul care and to help people in their faith and faith crisis and help people walk through from birth to the death of life. And that happens a lot. 
But the idea here is to work on our faith. And Jesus isn't mocking and saying, oh, you don't have faith. But he's really challenging and saying, is your faith that small that you really can't depend on me uh, with a little so that more will be given? I love this idea about nature. Have you ever heard someone, oh, I'm going to go out this week and be one with nature. I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to go camping. I'm going to go to Yosemite. Me and my family just came back from Mammoth and Yosemite. It was awesome. Being one with nature, especially for a Christian, is really going out and worshiping God through his creation. Humans don't really live in God's economy. We live in our own economy. And so we struggle. So we're constantly trying to get one with nature and getting to that place where like that bird is who doesn't fret and doesn't worry. But what happens is as humans, we tend not to depend on God. And so we need more nature experiences. We depend on ourselves. We depend on our own jobs, our money, our 401ks, our homes, our stocks, the government. We depend on our material stuff. We just depend on me, myself, and I. That's not how God's economy works. You need to realize this. Nature, the text says, doesn't need harvest. It doesn't need barns and it doesn't need clothes. It's dependent on God. And what that means is every piece of food that that bird is going to get is going to come from God. God is going to provide for that bird. And that's the beautiful thing about nature, that God is in complete control and nature is, is at God's beck and call. That's just powerful. So why worry? Why be anxious? I understand. We've just come through one of the first pandemics the world has ever seen in our era. In the last 100, 150 years, we didn't have CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and all of that back when the last pandemic, the bubonic plague happened. But I understand that we are in a mental health crisis. Our country is in chaos. The political season, the social unrest, the, the pandemic, there is a mental health issue. I get it. I understand why we're anxious. But why do we have such little faith? And why don't we realize that God is bigger than that? We have been told constantly for the last year and a half from the pulpit that you know we need to get involved in the minutia but that's not what God is saying he's like why worry about life and things and politics and position and COVID and chaos we have a God that wants to clothe us and bless us and bring us to a place because God never fails he doesn't fail the birds he doesn't fail the lilies and he's not going to fail the humans because he made us in his image and he really cares that's what the text says Jesus asked, why do you have so faith, so little faith? And he's saying this, when you rely on self, Jeff, you're not relying on me. I'm going to fail you, or at least it's going to look like I'm failing you. But when you rely on me, Jeff, I'm never going to fail you. And so when I rely on myself, I always blame God. Oh, God didn't provide this or God didn't do that. But when I'm fully in God's economy, when I'm fully in what God is doing, God never fails. And listen, I've been doing this for a while and I've seen him. I've been in the lows, but I know that God is bigger and is doing a greater work. And if I just trust in him, this will be something that I will celebrate in due time, in God's time. So why have little faith? Why do we worry? Why are we living in fear, anxiety? That is the opposite of what Christianity is. That's what we were like before we knew Jesus. But now that we know Jesus, it should draw us into a place of faithfulness, not a place of, of worry or anxiety. 
But today, we don't want to use uh, these words in Christian terms. You go to Christian church and you see people say, oh, I'm not worried, brother. You don't worry about anything. And they quote the Bible text, but they're talking about burdens and concerns and carrying their cross. They've just disguised their worry and faith with Christian cloaks of, of, of words that kind of show, oh, I'm doing the Christian thing. The truth is you're just struggling and you're allowing that to interfere with your faith. And that's what Jesus is telling us. What are you worshiping? What are you coveting? What are you struggling with? You need to be more dependent on me. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to interfere with what I'm doing in your life. And that causes uh, fear and anxiety. When we feel less than, when we feel cheapened, when we don't feel whole, we're going to live in fear. That brings me to the next slide. I saw this uh, sermon, uh, and it was about anxiety. In the middle of the word anxiety, there's this letter I. And in the middle of my anxiety is me. And that's what the I stands for. Also, in the middle of pride, there's the word I. The I is in the middle of both of these words. And this is really cool. Uh, we are usually the cause of our own anxiety. I am the cause of my own anxiety. I have to do something to get out of my anxiety. And a lot of times the I and pride is holding me back from really getting to a place of resolving the issues that I'm dealing with in my anxiety. I love how this works out. It's like a wordplay, but really I am in the middle of this and I am holding myself back because of my pride of getting to a place of ment whole mental health. Jesus says that when we have little faith, that my that's hindering me from allowing God to work inside of us. When I'm in this place of pride and I'm depending more on myself and things in this world, then I don't have as great faith and I'm living in anxiety and pride and it's about me blocking what God is trying to do. He has so much for us. He has so much for us. It's amazing. And all we need to do is yield to him and his plan and come to a place of full worship, dropping to your knees right now, crying out and worshiping and singing and celebrating through his word and through songs and lyrics and all the wonderful things that he has. We are to worship him like nature does. Being one with nature, if you were out there, I was out golfing the other day and for a moment early in the morning, seven o'clock, all you could hear were birds and bees and there was a coyote running around and it was just gorgeous and you could hear the word the world worshiping God through chirping and 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 buzzing around and that's how nature worships and we need to have that same kind of worship worship living in the riches that God has for us that will last forever verse 31 Matthew 6 so don't worry about these things, what we will eat, what we will drink, or what we will wear. Here he's talking about this anxiety pandemic mindset. These things will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That is strong words from Jesus. These are the things that dominated us before we know Jesus. But your heavenly father already knows what you need. So why worry? Why are we worrying about things? These things are what we were like before we know Jesus. But now that we actually have Jesus in our life, we should have a different mindset. We should be living in a different economy and we should be coveting what God wants us to covet, not what we think we want in our life. The word uh, anxiety here is mir mir miranaho, 
And I love this Greek word. And uh, my buddy Jeff Barnett talks about it. He did the announcements today. This Greek word is really cool. One of the definitions says in, uh, that this anxiety is drawing us into different directions. The other one says it's like pulling us apart. Now, isn't that what anxiety and fear and worry feels like? You've ever been up all night or you're having a panic attack? And doesn't it feel like the insides of your body is being pulled apart? A lot of people go to the hospital and think they're having a heart attack. And 90% of the time, it's anxiety, and they get a shot of Ativan, but their insides are feeling like I'm being pulled apart. I must be having a heart attack. That's what the word here really talks about, and that's what it feels like. We need to make sure that we're trusting God more and having more faith so that our inner, uh, the, inner, uh, the inside of who we are aren't being pulled apart. Jesus is communicating this message. Everything in nature works together so well because nature as a whole is truly reliant and trusting in God. But in human nature, different than just nature in itself, humans interfere with God's natural course. We get in the way. That I and anxiety, that I and pride is getting in the way. We bring our codependency, the things that we're codependent or dependent on, into that relationship instead of being dependent on God like nature is. And the cause of that, it pulls us apart. It pulls us away. It separates us from God and the way that we are to live our life. So one of the and Peter says, cast your fears or cast that anxiety onto him so that we can be whole and complete and not living this wretched life feeling pulled apart because of our anxiety. Man's ways create worry and anxiety. God's ways cures that. God can cure that when we are dependent on him. Now, Dr. Luke says, and Luke was an actual doctor, his gospel was written very meticulous and had different details than the other two synoptic gospels. And here's what it says. It's the same Sermon on the Mount area, but it's in Luke chapter 12, verse 26. And here's probably the favorite part of the sermon for me. It says, even if the smallest things are beyond your control, why are you anxious about the rest? Here is one of those questions. If you can't control the smallest things, why are you trying to control uh, the bigger things and why are you worrying and anxious about those big things and he's basically saying if you've got like a hangnail problem and you can't even fix that issue why are you trying to fix the pandemic the mental health crisis the political issues why are we allowing other people to get space in our head and say we can solve this problem when god is in control can worry add to our life no can can clothing and material stuff add and make our life better no and if we can't control the smallest things, why are we worrying and really getting in the way of being God or God-like? This is a real struggle for me because I see people constantly being chirped to by other people and getting in God's way. And the truth is, what the text is telling us is to get rid of that. Don't be like a, don't be like a human that's interfering with God. Be like that bird that doesn't worry and trust that God is going to feed that bird and the little birdlets or the little chicklets. I don't know. What do you call a baby bird? Whatever they are, God is in control. You really can't do the small things and fix those issues. That's what the text says. So why are you worrying about the big things? God is in control of whatever you're going through. Your relationship, God wants to work on it, but you need to give it time. 
your, your financial situation, God is in control. You can't fix all of the things. Maybe what you need to do is give to God and give to his kingdom and see how that fixes some of your issues. Your job is not to get in God's way. That's your job and not control little things. That's what Dr. Luke is saying. If you can't fix the smallest things, then how can you work on the bigger things? And then he's saying, then why are you anxious? If I'm in control, being God, I'm not God. If God's in control, why be anxious? Why are you worrying? Why are you full of anxiety? Why are you letting yourself be pulled apart? Let's create a better mental health place for your betterment and for the world. Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise? Can I get an emoji in the chat line? Let the person know that's monitoring that, that you're alive and that you hear what God is saying. And here comes one of the mental health solutions. Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above your finances, above your marriage, above your relationship with your kids or your parents, above school, above politics, above social issues. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, live in a right way, not the way that you think is right, that the way that God thinks is right. And he will give you everything you need. And then you don't need to worry. When I'm in a place of want and I'm in a place of need, I'm feeling less than and cheapened and I'm worrying. When I'm feeling complete and whole in Christ, that doesn't mean that my bank account's flush. That means I have a trust in the God that's going to do big things. Then I'm in a better place and my mental health state is in a better place. Now that brings me to some application today and I'm an application pastor. I look at the text and instantly I see the Bible saying this is what you need to do, Jeff, to truly become a, in a better place mentally with anxiety and worry. And here's the three things that I saw in this message today. The first thing you need to do is talk to God. You just got to have a conversation. If you've ever seen me in my car driving, I'm probably driving faster than I should be, but I'm usually having a conversation or hopefully listening to worship or the word, but I'm trying to talk to God. Sorry, God doing this. And I'm having this communication. And what that means is turn off the media, get off social uh, platforms and really just have a conversation. That's the first thing that you need to do. The second thing you need to do is just turn it over to God. You got to talk to him, but then you got to get to a place and say, all right, God, I, I don't know what to do. This political thing, that's yours. This pandemic thing, that's yours. My financial thing, that's yours. My life thing, that's yours. And you turn it over. And then, you know, I, I love Kim. Kim was teaching stuff and then she gives you some real action. After you turn it over, you got to then challenge that negative thought. Because they're going to come back. You're going to turn it over and go, okay, God, this is yours. And you're going to be crying and snot dripping. And then instantly that negative thought comes in. You've got to challenge that, capture that and say, God, I'm not going back there. I'm going to trust in a better place. And then here's the last one. I've, I've got to talk to God. I've got to turn it over. I've got to challenge those negative thoughts. And then I've got to trust in his process. And man, I hate that. I hate that. I, I I turn it over, I talk, and then I've got to trust because that trust means it could take seven years for that to really be fulfilled. 13 years in the Bible, 25 years in the Bible. It could take some time for this to really turn out. So I got to trust in God and then I've got to go out to nature, decompress, go out, relax, go see a sunset, go see the sunrise, go for a hike, go to the beach, go to the mountains, decompress, give God a chance. A lot of times we trust in God and then within the next 10 minutes, you're already meddling in what he's trying to do. Now, 
Those are great applications. And someone here that maybe has got a little bit of anxiety, a little bit worrying, is like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But let me get a little deeper today. There's some people that have real mental health crisis in our church and in the world today. And I just don't want to act like those three things are going to solve your mental issues. Because the truth is, we are in a mental health pandemic. Worse than what corona is. This is going to affect our kids and our kids' kids unless we get a hold of this. So here's the next two things. If you are physically in a mental health crisis, this is more application for you. I just don't want to cheapen this and go, here's three things, pray about it and act like it's that's all that needs to be done. The first thing you need to do is talk about this stuff to someone else. You got to tell someone. And if you don't know who to tell, pray. Tell your parents, tell your kids, tell your wife, tell your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Tell someone that you're struggling, someone that needs to know. Tell me, reach out online and say, I need to tell someone something. I need to have a private conversation. You need to tell someone. And the second thing you need to do is you need to take action. You know, I understand my wife is a mental health nurse and I've been doing counseling and ministry for a long time. There's a difference between a mental health person versus someone who's spiritually negative or demonic there's differences it's not always just a spiritual issue there's a difference sometimes people just have imbalances in our liver in our bloodstream we have imbalances and sometimes we need to take it we need to go get counseling my brother-in-law is a counselor and we send people to him and and his group go to the doctor get medication follow your medication if you're doing it and you know it do the things that you need to do eat sleep get rest do the things that make your life correct And if you're a kid, listen, starting this Thursday, my sister and us are working with this group. It's actually a secular uh, uh, program, and it's a teen program for teens that are struggling. Get your teen involved. It's on Thursdays uh, for the next eight weeks. It's 10 bucks. It's two hours. And I promise you, you're going to have professional help helping these kids. We're looking for 10 or 15 kids. We are in a mental health crisis, and our job is to take action. And it goes beyond just saying, let's pray about it and let's put it in the chat room it goes to taking action talking about it go to the doctors get medication go to a counseling group and i promise you all of that will make you whole and complete i just don't want to cheapen application sometimes as christians we shorten and act like it's just a simple three steps this is a huge step I was talking to my sister this week as we were talking about this group, and she brought me to 1 John. 1 John 1, verse 6 to 8 says this, So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. This is the real kick in the butt as we talk about these issues. We've got to quit living in spiritual darkness, and we are not practicing the truth. That's the end. If We, we are lying if we go on living in spiritual darkness, but aren't practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ and his son cleanse us from all sin. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Here is that last part of application. Talking to someone, taking action, doing whatever you feel like God is telling you to do. If you've got medication and you've got a mental health plan, do the mental health plan exactly how it's supposed to be done and see how that works for the next six weeks. But the enemy operates in darkness. Just I can hear my, my sister Kim saying, the enemy operates in darkness and we are to bring these things to the light. When we have things hidden in our life, it actually kills us. It, it kills the things that God is doing in our life. 
The enemy operates in darkness, and so our job is to get it out into the open and talk about it. And I believe that's what Jesus is challenging us. So let's go back to the garden. It's how we started, and it's how we're going to close. Jesus, as he is in nature, one with God, as he is in this place of agony, he's in the garden, and he does three things. He talks to God. He prays a couple of times. And then the, the second thing that he does is he turned it over. God, take this cup of suffering. He turns it over. God's like, I don't want it. You take it. And then the last thing is he trusts in God. No, God, it's not about me. It's not my will, but your will be done. As we go back to the garden, he trusts in his father and the things that the world is going to bring to his life. And we need to do the same. About six weeks ago, I gave a message from Hebrews, and we talked about the high priest. And one of the things that the high priest, that being Jesus Christ, he understands our weakness. He understands our troubles and our struggles. For it says in Hebrews 6, it says, The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we did, yet he doesn't sin. Jesus was in the garden. He was very human here. But he still trusted in God's plan. He talked to God. He turned it over. And he also trusted that God had a greater plan. And he was going to be a part of that plan. Here's the last verse. And then we'll close. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own troubles. Today's troubles is enough today. One of the things we need to do is stay in the present. Stay in the here and now. As you're watching this or as you're listening to this, stay in the present. And really ask God as we close out today. I can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't worry. Monday's going to be Monday. But today, I'm right here, right now with God. Worry and anxiety robs us. Uh, worry and anxiety of our future robs us of our effectiveness to today. And our job is to get out of that worry and anxiety of the future and get into the present because God wants to do something right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now, whoever's watching or whoever's listening, that your spirit fills their body from head to toe. They can feel it all over their body tingling. And I pray that you bring a level of relief, that you bring clarity, that you bring direction, that you bring action. And if there's severe mental health issues, that they will reach out and talk to someone right now. They'll put it in the chat room. They'll have a private message. They'll do some emails. They will take action to get to a better place. The world is in chaos. But Christ, you are our cure. You are our solution. Bring clarity and sober minds so that we can see and hear what you really want to do. And Father, for that person that doesn't know you and thinks like an unbeliever, thinks like someone that doesn't know God, if you bring God into our life, into your life, he will give you solutions and, 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 and heal some brokenness so that you can be whole and change you like you've never been changed before. If that's you, just take, take a moment and say a few words from your heart and with your mouth and let him become king. And all you have to do is say a simple prayer. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and be my king. Forgive me of my sins and be my king once and for all. You died upon the cross so that I may be washed clean of sin. And you rose three days later so that I may be with you in eternity. I thank you for that gift, Lord. Help me follow that all the days of my life, 
Holy Spirit, take over my mind, body, and soul and help me become a disciple of Christ from now until I meet you in heaven. We love you and praise you and thank you for who you are. Amen, amen, and amen. 